What is going on, everybody? You are back on another edition of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, what's going on today, brother? There are some very big moves happening across the league today, some things that made me very excited today. But um, also today, we have a special guest on our show, Mr. Brandon Kiley from 101 ESPN. He's the, host of, the co-host of BK and Ferrario. He's a lead football writer for Mizzou Rock M Nation. You guys need to go check out some of the work he's doing. It's real good. He's kind of spreading some Chiefs Kingdom love across St. Louis. Brandon, how are we doing today, bud? I'm doing well, guys. I appreciate you all having me on. I always enjoy being able to talk Chiefs. I don't get to do that enough in St. Louis, so I appreciate you giving me an outlet here. Yeah, Thanks we're for coming on. Heavy on. Yeah, man, we're excited. Always excited to talk uh, some Chiefs football. And, and let's start right there. Um, let, let's talk about just initially your, your reaction to Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher kind of getting released on the same day. What were your thoughts when you saw that really happen? Yeah, so I think people have this a little backwards. Um, so the national reaction seemed to be, that the Chiefs just cut their two starting tackles. Oh my God, what are they going to do? The Chiefs didn't cut their two starting tackles. They cut a guy that was coming off of a back surgery that may never play football again, and a guy that has a torn Achilles who we have no idea if or when he's going to play again. Both of them in their 30s, both of whom have a ton of uncertainty in their future. The likelihood is neither of those two players was going to be ready for the first six weeks of next season. Like they probably would have both started on PUP at best next year. So the Chiefs were going to need two new offensive tackles, whether they kept them on the roster or released them from the roster. So now you're in a situation where my choices are keep these guys on the roster, pay them $25 million combined for next year, and try to figure out what I'm going to do the first six weeks of the season of the season at a minimum for both positions, or cut them slash release them right now decide to move on, get that money so I can recoup it and hopefully go spend it on an offensive lineman. We'll get to that here in just a little bit and fortify what was the single biggest weakness on my roster in the Super Bowl. What is it now? Five weeks ago. So yeah, of course they were going to cut these guys. That should have always been the expectation. But for some reason, I think some somewhat locally and definitely nationally, it came as a bit of a surprise for people, and I don't think that it should have been a surprise for people. The only surprise was, for me, that Eric Fisher wasn't willing to take a pay cut. I thought that might have been the route that this went as opposed to the cut, but eventually they decided to cut him instead. Where'd you guys come out on this? Yeah, I, I'm the same same reaction. To me, I was expecting it. We talked kind of at length um, previously about like kind of the makeup of the roster and where they were going. And, and we talked how Mitchell Schwartz, we weren't even sure if he was going to play football. Like you kind of mentioned, was he going to retire? Was he coming back? You know, he waited, tried to come back and then ended up having to have back surgery. And, you know, back injuries in general are hard to come back from. Um, but with Lyman, it's even worse, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're big guys. You're, you're constantly having to anchor and, and block huge people coming after you all the time. So, you know, and then, and then you, you know, unfortunately as chiefs fans, we've seen what ruptured Achilles kind of does to a player, you know, Derek Johnson, Eric Berry, these guys have gone through it and you just, you lose so much athleticism and explosiveness. It's a really, really tough injury to come back from. And again, being an offensive lineman, 
it makes it even harder, I think, especially when you have, you know, 15 back there who you're having to protect on a daily basis. Yeah, it makes it that much more difficult. And, you know, at least the one thing I said about that is Brett Veach was decisive when it came down to like Eric Berry, Derek Johnson and Justin Houston and their serious injuries they had people kind of lingered with them for a while and they got kind of stuck in that point where those guys weren't ever really ready to come back. But even though they were playing, we could tell they were going to be just shells of what they once were. And they were all probably on the roster, maybe a year too long. There was none of that indecision this time. And, you know, like Justin and I have been talking about on the show, you know, maybe since Schwartz hurt his back. I mean, I remember that recording we had after the Buffalo game, we were like, this is bad. But I think the thing people need to understand, though, with both of those is these two guys, even if they were healthy and playing, this season coming up was going to be their last season anyway. And it kind of seems from that perspective that this was almost the perfect time to let these guys go. Now, the injuries obviously helped Brett Beach make that decision a lot more swiftly. One of them was likely going to be gone. They drafted Lucas Nyang last year. He's He's going to be slotted into play. The Chiefs are high on him. He's a top 100 draft pick. He's going to be a guy that they want to go out there and play. But there was no indecision this time around. And, you know, now they've given themselves a great position to go after free agent offensive linemen. And this off this draft class of tackles is absolutely loaded from top to bottom with talent at the tackle position. So I think the Chiefs, they made the right decision. You know, the national media, you know, those guys – they're trying to get some headlines in there right now. I don't know, you know, if, if some of those people understand the intricacies of the Patrick Mahomes deal, Chris Jones deal, some of those other things, but it's all allowing the Chiefs to be able to go out and sign an elite offensive lineman, kind of like they did today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Brandon. I I just it's one of those things where, it, to your point on the the cap situation with Mahomes and Kelsey and all of the different moves that they can make and restructures. Like, I think that one thing that gets lost in translation sometimes is a lot of people are confused by the cap. Rightfully so. I get it. There's a lot of minutia in there that is really boring. But basically the way that this works is like the Chiefs have a ton of flexibility based on the way that Patrick Mahomes' deal is structured. They have a lot of flexibility if they are comfortable sticking with Chris Jones with the way that his deal is structured. So they're able to kick the can down on the road. And the best way I think I've heard it described is basically they're now using a credit card and other teams are trying to use a debit card, right? The Rams for years have been using a credit card. Same thing for the New Orleans Saints. You you probably saw that contract that they gave to Taysom Hill. That's a credit card deal. It's fake money. None of it's real. It's not actually going against the cap this year, even though they're paying him right. in cash this year. So it doesn't mess with the players because they get the same amount of cash regardless of how they get it. It's just, are you getting this in a weekly salary or are you getting this in a one or two times signing bonus? And that's the real difference here. And so it's boring, it's minutia, but it's really important because it's the way that the Chiefs are able to get some of these deals done. And that's how they still had some flexibility. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, and it's something that it's just to accredit to Brett Veach and it's something we talk about all the time. He, he he has been doing such a good job overturning the roster. He's nothing if not um, aggressive uh, uh, to trying to maximize the roster at every position, not only in the offseason, but throughout the season. You know, we've seen what he's done with underdrafted free agents. We've seen him pick up free agents in the middle of the year. 
He is somebody that's going to find the best way to create the best roster possible. And I think that we've already started to see um, that aggressiveness this this offseason. He saw the weakness in the Super Bowl. Obviously, injuries, you know, you, you they are what they are. But he knew that they needed to upgrade. He knew that the tackles had to be replaced. And today he went out and signed one of the best offensive uh, line free agents and Joe Thune, who has only given up three sacks in the last 1,733 um, pass snaps since 2018. So just an incredible anchor along the interior, which was just not only in the Super Bowl. Everybody sees the Super Bowl because everybody watched the Super Bowl. But if you watch the Kansas City Chiefs throughout the entire year, the interior offensive line struggled. I mean, just to put it mildly, they struggled. You know, Assembly gets hurt. Austin Ryder is what he is. He's not great. Um, You know, they had people opt out. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif opted out, obviously, to handle the COVID situation. So they were already down that to begin with. But Thune is a guy who's going to step in and be an anchor along that interior now for a number of years for Kansas City. He is a stud. And he's someone who, even since he was last season, you see him, you know, they put the franchise tag on him. The Patriots don't always franchise tag a lot of people. So that's how you knew that's a guy Belichick wanted to keep around. They just couldn't really make it happen with him, and I don't blame him. But like Justin mentioned, even before the Super Bowl, you could see how bad the Chiefs' offensive line plays. They were unphysical, and they couldn't move people off the ball. And it was really frustrating to watch because it affects the team in so many situations. You know, pass protection, number one, short yardage situations, number two. And, you know, even before the tackles went out, they still had to upgrade the interior. They had to make something happen. Joe Tooney can play guard. He started eight games at center this past year for the Patriots. He can do a little bit of everything. As a former collegiate offensive lineman myself, you know, I'm excited to see him in Kansas City because I do truly think it is the start of us starting to see, you know, the number one priority in Kansas City is to win games, but the number one priority to be able to win games is to be able to keep 15 on his feet and healthy for as long as possible. Yeah, they're in a situation right now where I think we've seen this in recent years with Brett Veach. He, and this is not meant as a criticism, but it's going to sound like one. He overcorrects based on whatever the previous year's issues were, right? So you have the issue with the defense. Okay, we're bringing in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. We're going to fix this. We're going to fire our defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo. You fix this. Uh, you had the issue early on the first season. I think it was that he was the, the GM where it's like, okay, we need a linebacker and a wide receiver. Let's just give all of the money to Anthony Hitchens and Sammy Watkins. And now we fix that issue over there. And now you get into this offseason. What is the single biggest issue for the Chiefs? Well, it's clearly the offensive line. And so I think a lot of people, Chiefs fans, went into this free agency and they were like, oh, well, the best guy out there is Trent Williams. And he was. He's a fantastic player for the San Francisco 49ers. I would have been in on that. I I think I actually would have preferred that over this, but he looked at it as, well, there's this other guy out there that might be like five, $6 million cheaper on an AAV average annual salary. And we can get him and also maybe upgrade one other spot along the offensive line. Or maybe we can also bring in a wide receiver that can fill out out there. So there's more to this story. They're not done by any stretch of the imagination. They've still got the draft. They've still got a ton of time in free agency. By the time we're done recording this, they might make another move, whether it be on the offensive line or elsewhere. They need a defensive end still. Like he's he's going to be aggressive in filling these needs. And I think this was just the first step 
and filling some of those needs to be able to do so. 100% agree with that. And if you look at Thune's contract, he's only a $4.5 million cap hit this year, which to me, when you backload a contract like that, um, it says we're going to make more moves. So I would expect one um, to come, like you said, maybe by the end of this, mm. this recording. Who knows? If you, BK, if you had your choice of a tackle, maybe not of the caliber of Trent Williams, or do you think Trent Williams is still an option for them? Do you think that there is maybe a bargain option that they could uh, sign in free agency, or do you think they'll look more in the draft to fill a tackle position? I think they're probably, if I had to guess, I think they're going to bring in one guy that is a veteran and one guy that is a rookie this year. Now, that doesn't mean they pick him in the first round necessarily, but it kind of depends. So, like, if you bring in Trent Williams, well, now you can bring in, like, a fifth-round developmental rookie, right? Um, If they were to sign a guy like uh, Alejandro Villanueva, who started for the Steelers over the last few years, he's a fine player. He's not a great player, but he's fine. He, he He can help you at left tackle. Well, now maybe you're still open to taking a first-round offensive tackle, and if that guy is fantastic and he ends up being great at left tackle, you can move Villanueva to right, or you can cut Villanueva in camp if worst case came to to be. So they've got some flexibility there depending on what they do in free agency. I think that's going to determine what they do in the first round of the draft, though, because this team still needs a number two receiver. They still need a defensive end. They could use a corner or somebody in the secondary, depending on what they decide to do with Snead. They keep him uh, in the slot or move him outside. There's still some needs elsewhere on this team, but they've got a lot of spots they can look for offensive tackles. Is there a guy that you guys would prefer them to go after in free agency? Because I, I'm after Trent Williams, most of the other guys just seem kind of okay to me. Yeah, Caleb, um, you got anybody? Yeah, um, a couple of the guys I was doing some writing about this week were Villanueva, like you just mentioned. You know, he's a couple-time pro bowlers, been a part of some really great Steeler offenses, some good offensive lines. He was their anchor there for a while. He's definitely one guy I'd keep my eye on, definitely going to keep our eye on Riley Reef. Him, he'll give us about the same production Eric Fisher did as a player, and, you know, he's got experience. He can do things. He'd be good for a one-year fill-in, but if they go after one of those guys like that, then you are going to see the second to third, maybe even a fourth round tackle drafted. And those guys could be someone like Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa, maybe a Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State, and maybe even like uh, Jackson Kerman from Clemson, James Hudson from Cincinnati, guys in those ranges. But it will be interesting to see because I do think that they are going to want to have a guy with a year's experience because if you remember, they're going to have Lucas Nyong playing tackle also. I don't think there's any question about that at this point. They're already going to have one fairly inexperienced player out there on the edge who has not played an NFL season, has not even had an NFL practice yet. So he's going to have his own series of learning curve issues to go through. I think that that is going to be enough for the Chiefs to want to pursue a guy with experience who is not going to be a total liability out there at tackle, but it's just going to come into the decision of how much are they going to be willing to spend right there because, you know, they could go they could go with Villanueva or they could go with Reef and it could make a lot of sense for the contract. But as we've seen from time to time, Brett Veach likes to uh manipulate the contract and make a move here and there that no one expects so Trent Williams could still be on the radar for all we know. Yeah, they've they've got that ways would be to make something it interesting. Else. 
No, they always do. They always do. Um, you mentioned, you know, how they definitely need, you know, another edge rusher or a wide receiver too. a couple of guys that I, I really um, kind of like and might be under the radar a little bit is Carl Lawson. Deanne from Cincinnati played last year. I think he's got some upside as a pass rusher. Yeah. If not, a, you know, an every down defensive end, I think that he can play. And then, you know, wide receiver, obviously, Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel, still big names out of there. Corey Davis just signed a big deal right before we jumped on with the Jets, um, which I find pretty interesting. But there's a ton of receivers out there. Do you think one of these dominoes might be that where we've seen they want to surround Mahomes with as much talent as they can on the outside? Do you think they go after a big name receiver like that? Um, I don't know about the big names. Like, I don't think they're going to be in the Kenny Galladay market. Um, but a guy that you mentioned, Curtis Samuel, that, that's probably the guy that I'm most interested in. Uh, I think he makes a ton of sense for the Chiefs. And I think sometimes he gets pigeonholed into the idea of, oh, another short slot, fast receiver. It's not really what he is. He kind of makes his bones over the middle, but in a similar way to what we saw from Sammy Watkins. Like he does a lot of the things that Sammy Watkins used to do when he was healthy. It's kind of who Curtis Samuel is as a player. So he'd probably be the number one guy that I would be interested in. But there's also quite a few really good receivers in this year's draft. So if you decided to go offensive tackle and free agency, maybe you go wide receiver in the first round. If you wanted to make a big move for Daniil Hunter, who apparently is available now on the trade market. Well, that opens up the first and the second round for offensive line and wide receiver. So there's a lot of moving chips, a lot of moving pieces here, and it all kind of depends what they do over the next couple of weeks. That will kind of be the dominoes, as you said, that will lead to whatever they decide to do in the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I was just going to echo that Curtis Samuel. He's been a guy I've kind of been on. I think Justin and I, we like what he does on film. We like his fit on the Chiefs. Him or maybe a guy like uh, Rashard Higgins, who played in a Cleveland last year, could be some cheaper options who I think could be on the Chiefs board at wide out. BK, we know you are kind of on some limited time here. We want to thank you for coming on. If you got to get off, you can. If you want to stay, go ahead. But do you have any final thoughts if you were gonna if you were wanting to get off? Yeah, so the last thing to get off here off my chest here with you guys is just like the Chiefs have a plan. And I think that's something that got lost in the last week or two of the moves that they've made is Brett Feach isn't a dummy. And you can you can believe that he's good at his job, bad at his job, somewhere in between. And that's perfectly fine. I think there's plenty of arguments all over the place on what Brett Veach has done as a general manager. But he has a plan. And they didn't just willy-nilly decide to cut their offensive tackles. Clearly, they identified an offensive lineman, Joe Tooney, now we know, that is going to help them build for the future. They are now in a new window. Like they just had a basically a three-year window with Sammy Watkins, that, that contract that they were in, right? And now they're moving into a new window. And this is going to be the start of that, whatever that version of the Kansas City Chiefs is. There were like six windows with Tom Brady in New England. It's going to be like that here in Kansas City as well. The difference is now the Chiefs have a quarterback and everything revolves around him. And he's the franchise. So now that you have that, it's about building the pieces up around him. And that's what they're trying to do this offseason. They ran it back last year. They lost in the Super Bowl. So now they're going to get aggressive to make sure that that doesn't happen again in 2022. So that's my biggest thing is like Brett Veach has a plan. It might be the wrong plan. It might not work, but he absolutely has a plan. Definitely. 
thanks for coming on, man. And just by the way, real quick, I know I do a lot of the O-line film review stuff. And for anyone that wants to know why I'm big into O-line and running backs and stuff, it's because Blue Springs High School, (laughs) where I graduated from and where BK graduated from, have had some pretty good running backs and offensive linemen go through there over the past couple of decades or so. So that's kind of where my love from all that stems from. I just thought I'd bring that up to close out BK's time here real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I played with Darian Miller in high school. Uh, he was my, one of my buddies, and he was a hell of a running back. Um, so we we definitely had a pretty decent running game back in the day, to say the least. Yeah, I played with Dalvin Warmack. And oh, yeah, yeah. He was one of the great studs that ever came through there had a good career at k-state thanks for coming on man absolutely guys i appreciate you having me take it easy boy appreciate it man everybody that was brandon kiley justin there are some other things that are going on in the nfl i don't know if it was a fake retweet or not but it said something about the chiefs i think it was a fake tweet actually I saw something someone put in the group chat about the Chiefs being potential for trading Anthony Hitchens to the Panthers, but that might have been fake news. That would be something else. That would be interesting. Um, you know, just kind of echo what BK said there before he got off, how Brett Feach has a plan. Guys, it's something that we talk about all the time on this show. Uh, he, 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 We said he's not going to cut those guys. He's not going to release them without having – a plan in place. Um, Joe Thune was the first step in, in in setting that plan in motion, which I'm very excited about. It's going to be nice to see um, having a true anchor, a true like Pro Bowl potential All Pro. He was the second team All Pro lineman there, anchoring along the interior of the line. Um, I find it very interesting right now that the free agent wide receiver market is bizarre it's like bizarro world it's not the big names coming off the board first the Patriots went out and signed Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and then the Jets you know signed Corey Davis there's still a lot of names out there so I'm going to be interested to see kind of what happens if Kansas City dips their their toes in the water there to see what what the prices are as uh, for some of these wide receiver two option type guys yeah dude it's crazy I mean everyone was thinking you know Allen Robinson's going to be the big name and then Kenny Galladay and then, you know, just kind of on down the line from that. We saw Corey Davis go. Would you say he was probably the third guy that out of that group and he's was like one of the first big deals? But it's interesting for sure. The wide receiver market, yeah, I feel like within the next couple of days, it'll probably explode though. We'll see some craziness go on. I wonder if it's because the wide receiver class is so deep and that you're seeing these college wide receivers come in with so much experience and so much talent and ability that you don't have to, you know, spend money on a big name free agent where you can draft a guy in the first round or second round uh, of the NFL draft and, and they come in ready to play, you know, Justin Jefferson, you think about him this year, having just an incredible year with the Vikings you know, and the list goes on and on and on even like a Brandon Ayuk who couldn't stay healthy in San Francisco that they ended up drafting late. The dude looked like an absolute stud when he was on the field, you know, for a later round pick. And and I wonder if that's affecting this market and maybe why um, you're seeing like a Corey Davis who has the biggest deal so far, but it's still only really kind of like wide receiver two money. 
Yeah, 100%. Those guys, you know, you're going to be able to get those young guys a lot cheaper. You're going to be able to probably have them a lot longer. You're going to be able to develop them to what you want to do more. So that obviously makes sense. I think that's also a reason why the tackle market, I think that even though Trent Williams is going to demand huge money, I think it could stay stagnant on him for a while because there are so many pro-ready tackles in this class. You know, you look at that first round of guys between Sewell, Slater, Tevin Jenkins, uh, Sam Cosme, Liam Eichenberg, you know, those are going to be guys that can come in and play from day one. So is a team going to want to just roll with them or are they going to want to go after a brand new guy altogether? That's the question they're going to have to be asking themselves. Certainly is. And the question we're going to ask right now is what do we think if we can – Look into our magic eight ball, our crystal ball. What is the next move by Brett Veach? Is it offensive line, do you think? Is it defensive end? Do they address that? Do they, you know, is the Tyrone Matthew extension on the horizon? Where do you think they go uh, for their next their next move uh, in their roster reconstruction? Dude, it kind of feels like Tyron Matthew could be the next guy to get his extension And I say that because some of the Chiefs' defensive backs were just, I don't know, we can't put too much stock in it because it was just a bunch of dudes tweeting or whatever. And we know in the past we've all fallen for that stuff, so it could be anything. And it was Chiefs' defensive backs specifically is why I'm saying that. It was Juan Thornhill and Armani Watts, but this could literally be, you know, a perfect situation for them to be able to go get Matthew back. You know, maybe they might wait on it a little bit now since they're going to go out and get Tooney, but... He just, you know, they extend, you know, that's been the Brett Beach's thing, though. He's extending his guys. He extended Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Chris Jones, and, you know, Matthew, he's just as every bit as important to this roster as all those guys are. You know, he's the leader of the defense. He's, in a lot of respects, he's the heart and the soul of the defense. He's a guy everyone respects highly. He's the guy that Steve Spagnola puts his trust in, trust in to get the job done. So it's going to be interesting for them to go out there and see what to do with everything as far as his contract goes. They could still wait a year. I could see that also, but I feel like that would probably be a likely next course of action. Yeah, I definitely think that they're going to go out and extend him this year. Um, It just makes sense contractually to do that. And I think that we talked about a little bit with BK when he was on, just that the the fact that they backloaded that Thune contract and only has a four and a half million cap hit this year. To me, that screams that they're they're not done making moves in free agency. And I could honestly see them still being in play for the Trent Williams um, sweepstakes. I, I think that it was reported that it's you know the Niners, the Colts, and the Chiefs all kind of want to get after him and, and get him signed. I you I think that when BK was on, he made a great point about how the Chiefs. Uh, and Brett Veach, they almost overcorrect, overcorrect when there's an issue, right? 2018, the defense was terrible, and they went out and completely flipped it around and changed it. Well, offensive line was terrible. You you know what you do to that? You sign Trent Williams to Joe Thune, and now you got to <laughs> deal with offensive line, right? Blow it up. I mean, I talk, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. We were saying, you know, the last time a unit played as bad as the Chiefs offensive line did this past season, nobody was back from that. Now, this isn't as far as they're going to fire Andy Heck or anything like no, that because Andy no. Heck's a great offensive line coach. Right. It's just how many – you know, for those of you guys that want to say maybe he's not a great old line coach, that dude's gotten away with playing Cam Irving and Mike Rivers at tackles for long 
periods of time the last two seasons and it hasn't really affected things that much so and I also think he's a great developer of talent you know you saw the way he worked with Fisher got Schwartz into being one of the elite players in the league so it'll be awesome to see how he's able to coach with Tooney and these other guys but yeah no it's just gonna it's gonna be a great time but they're gonna be bringing in all new faces and I'm all for it because bring in competition you know you know, people are like, well, we can be fine with these guys. Hey, I'm not, I don't have a problem if Nick Allegretti starts, but if we can find a guy that can push him to be the best he can and they can find a guy that can maybe even be better than Nick Allegretti, you have to do that. You have to find the best competitors possible to play the position. Yeah, and that's that's just it. And if you think about kind of what Andy Reid's philosophy along the offensive line has always been, it's always been find the best five guys, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Um, which brings me, do you think that Thune will play center or guard? And then my next thing is, did you see that he played tackle his last season of college and pro football focus had him as the highest graded offensive tackle that year? He, he's a, he's a talented player and he's actually coming from North Carolina state, which is, which is where one of my, my offensive line coaches in college, they both played at North Carolina State, and a big th- the philosophy they have down there is that you have to be able to play all five positions. So they make guys snap that play tackle 100 reps a game just because you might have to do it. That fits Andy Reid, what he likes to do well, 100%. And, you know, he was a good tackle in college. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to trust Bill Belichick on this one. I'll say he probably knew what he was doing when they put him at guard because he's a really athletic guard. And that's where I think he'll be. That's where he'll help the Chiefs at most. I think if they get into a pinch now, he can play guard. It would be interesting if they play play him at center, though. He was there because the Patriots center, Mark Andrews, he was just battling injuries all season long. And he basically stepped in there and he was – graded out like 80% the whole season and he'd never played center in the NFL before that in and of itself is impressive to be able to have to snap the ball and then block when you're not really used to it. But it's just going to be one of those things where I think they want him to play guard, but if things go wrong, you know, he's going to be there. Okay. We're going to be able to move him here. He's going to be like the chess piece on the line. And really that's big because it's a lot easier to find backup interior players than it is to find backup tackles, as the Chiefs found out this past season, and then they had to move Wiley out to tackle for the Super Bowl. 100%. And, again, just think about vers- versatility that we just talked about. You know, Andrew Wiley, guy who plays guard most of the time, and then, you know, they kick him out to tackle when they're in a pinch. And, obviously, I think Thune's a guy that could absolutely do that if they absolutely had to. Obviously, I don't think that's – the ideal situation. If they're having to do that, then they're they're in trouble at the tackle situation. So yeah, I agree. I think they they play him at guard. Um, as what far you, as uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. What are you gonna say? I was gonna say if we're if we're are you right? Are we if we're gonna transition from the offensive line? I just wanted to say I saw that uh, Danielle Hunter from uh, Minnesota. He's not really happy with his situation there, and it's been something I've seen a lot of. Chiefs tweets lately, but you know, if they were to because he's unhappy with his contract and this and that, you think that's a guy that could be on the Chiefs radar? Because you know, he's a 14 and a half sacks the last two seasons, 54, 54 and a half career sacks in five total seasons. That's a guy that could come in and cause some problems, especially with the pieces the Chiefs already have on their defensive line. I think, I think 100% you call and see what the asking price is. 
right? They need to find pass rushers. The pass rush has been pretty much non-existent, I feel, um, this past year for Kansas City, especially along the edge. Frank Clark has underperformed there. They've never really had somebody on the opposite side of him to give consistent pressure. And, and Hunter is, you know, a long athletic guy who gets after the pass rusher or gets after the pass. That is kind of what his thing is. So I would definitely call um, to see what the price tag is. doesn't seem like the Vikings – you know, have much leverage in that situation either because, you know, the reports are as he's unhappy. So he clearly wants out. So maybe you could get him for a discounted price um, and, and bring him over to play opposite Clark. I, I would 100% be on board with that. Yeah. The edge market's already starting to get fired up a little bit. Shaq Barrett got his extension today. Big time money, big time deal for him. Great player, deserved every bit of it. And our good friends, the Las Vegas Raiders, signed Yannick Ngakwe, which is also interesting. And Matthew Judon goes to the Patriots. So that market was something teams were fired up in. Why would teams like the Raiders and Patriots want to go after pass rushers? It's the only proven way to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes is to be able to rush him. So it makes sense that those guys are going out there and they're all good players Judon's going to make the Patriots defense nasty. I mean, they got Dante Hightower coming back. They got some studs coming back. Those guys are going to be a good defensive football team as always. And, you know, the Raiders, the Raiders have to make the playoffs this year. If they don't, then John Gruden, any credibility he had is going to be out the door. So they're going to be going all out in their first move of trying to go all out to make the playoffs was to get Yannick Ngakwe. Pretty interesting to see because you think about the the moves that the rest of the teams in the AFC West have made so far. Um, Raiders, you mentioned Yannick Ngakwe. The Broncos went out and signed Ronald Darby at corner. And then the Chargers went out and signed Corey Lindsley at center, which makes a lot of sense to me because now you have an all-pro center protecting your now second-year, going to be second-year quarterback in Justin Herbert. So it seems like each team kind of – is building to compete with Kansas City in a way, right? The the strength of, of the Chargers right now is is Justin Herbert, and you want to continue to build around him, and that's how you're going to compete. And then, you, you know, the Raiders, the defense is just atrocious, um, so they have to do that. The, the Broncos secondary needs to be completely redone. They, you know, they had A.J. Bouye, who was not good, and they, they lost him anyways. So, you know, they got to re, redo that secondary, somebody to go along with Justin Simmons there at safety. So it is, is it, it is keeping up with the Joneses, and it's really everybody trying to keep up with Kansas City and the AFC West. Yeah, and the Raiders are really trying to position themselves to be the team that can compete. You know, they've got to be feeling like we knocked them off once, came up short in the second one. We have to be able to get these guys. You know, they're going to be tough up front. You know, Ngakwe and Crosby on that defensive line, those are two high-end pass rushers now that the Chiefs are going to have to find ways to block. So it'll be interesting for sure, but – those other moves, I think that they help those teams. I don't think they help those teams beat the Chiefs, though, this season. Let me ask you about uh, somebody that was just released from one of our rivals, and that's Mr. Casey Hayward, the corner from the Chargers. Do you think that he's got any gas left that maybe he's somebody the Chiefs might want to kick the tires on in, in the DB world? He, he It would definitely be worth doing. I think that, you know, we're going to have to sit here and wait and see, you know, because the Chiefs still, you know, Bashad Breeland, he could go anywhere else at this point. 
I don't know if he will. Um, you know, they haven't released any information on Ward yet. They're restricted free agents, so they are going to need to find, you know, what they want to do. I think Casey Hayward could come in and be a good player. I think he fits what the Chiefs would want to do defensively. I think that Spags would like to have him on board. He'd provide a good veteran leadership. And I'm all for bringing in disgruntled players from other teams in the division to come join the powerhouse that is the Chiefs because that makes those divisional games a little bit more fun, some revenge games in there. But definitely an oh, yeah. option. Definitely an option on the table, you know. Going to have Sneed back. Sneed's going to be the guy again. So might as well just keep building the secondary. And like we said a few times, Chiefs secondary is on the verge of being special. Yeah. Thornhill coming back fully healthy, That like we saw at the end of last year. Matthew... Ladarius Sneed, I think a, a veteran like Casey Hayward would be a pretty nice name to add into the mix there um, to be able to play on the outside for him. It would be pretty interesting. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was today in free agency was probably the most un-Bill Belichick I've seen Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> I The guy has never went out and spent in free agency, and then today he comes out and he's – you know, he signs Jalen Mills and Matthew Judon and Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and Jalen, I think I said Jalen Mills, and uh, the nose tackle from the Dolphins, Davin, and I can't say his last name. Like, they went out and spent all this crazy money on all these players, and I've never seen Belichick do that. It's amazing what happens when you don't have to continue consistently pay a quarterback for 20 years because they brought back Cam for a – hilariously team-friendly deal. And Cam's going to get his licks from people who say he's washed up, but teams are getting smaller to try to stop the Chiefs and trying to get faster on the edges. And Belichick said, well, we're just going to get bigger and just try to run people over. And I think that we're about to see an iteration of the Patriots that's going to be interesting. And for the people that I, I know, everyone's going to sit here and say the Belichick's done this and that. They're the Patriots are over. I'm not going to count him out off of a COVID season in which he knew they probably weren't going to be able to compete because they had a new quarterback. They lost some pieces. Well, now they go out and they get they got Trent Brown back. They you know they did lose Joe Tooney. Probably going to lose their starting center, but. Those guys are going to always find a way to be competitive. And you think that Bill Belichick likes sitting around here and the Chiefs are the face of the AFC. And you think he really likes sitting around saying the Bills run the AFC East, the team that he dominated for 20 seasons? They're, those guys are going to go after Josh Allen and make his life a living nightmare. That's those guys' plan. That's why they went out and got Matthew Judon. They got out and got a disruptor that could affect players because, you know, the best way to beat Josh Allen appears is to kind of rush him, as you saw in the AFC Championship game. Yep, that that is certainly their biggest, you know, threat and how the first thing you have to do to make the playoffs is win your division and are uh, the easiest way to get in the playoffs is win your division. So they need to build to be able to beat the, the Bills who are so just kind of brought back all of their free agents. Um Another another edge rusher just went off the board. Yep, I saw it. Bud Dupree. That's a guy who I thought might be on the Chiefs' radar. You know, he did have the ACL injury. Don't know if he's a really a fit for our 4-3, the KC 4-3. Definitely going to be a fit for what they're doing in Tennessee, though. And the Titans had to get a pass rusher, man. They just had to. 
Yeah, their their pass rush was abysmal. Actually, probably the worst in the league this past year. So, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense for the Titans to go out and do that. But again, that means another pass rusher off the board, and maybe that the Neil Hunter, you know, trade. If if they're really looking at an edge or you know Carl Lawson, like the guy I talked about um, beforehand, he he comes even more into play. But any other thoughts um, before we get out of here? I guess any thoughts on uh, Kyle Long coming out of retirement and potentially getting interest from Kansas City? If you, I mean, it looks like it's going to be Raiders or Chiefs for Kyle. So I would say pull the trigger on. It's going to come down to whether he wants to make one more paycheck in his career and go play, be the legacy of where, you know, be a legacy guy and his dad's old with his dad's old team, or does he want to come to Kansas city and rewrite his career? You know, cause right now his career is kind of like, I was really good. I was probably the best at what I did for about a three or a four year window, but injuries just held me down. Well, does he want to come to Kansas city and compete and help protect Patrick Mahomes? I was watching some of his film last night, you know, his last couple of seasons with the Bears weren't pretty, but he was so hurt and so banged up, and he was playing through that. And I think that's something a lot of people didn't realize. You know, you get Kyle Long into the equation now. Now we're talking. That's what I want because you talking Joe Tooney, Kyle Long in there. You're going to have LDT coming back. Listen, it's not going to matter. It's going to come down to one of those. Though, you know, Tooney is going to start those other two guys, though. No one should feel like they have a position locked in or set. Obviously, Allegretti is going to have the chance to compete at all of the positions, but they need to be able to bring the best out of everyone. And I think a guy like Kyle Long coming off of injury, having to go in there, compete with Tooney, compete with a young guy like Allegretti, that would just elevate him, you know, being able to protect a real quarterback and not having to worry about Mitch Trubisky doing stupid stuff in the backfield, probably make his life a lot easier too back there. So I don't know. I'd love to see the Chiefs bring him in, though. I think that could help things out. And another guy that could play tackle in a pinch also. Yeah, it'd be super interesting to see how much he, he ends up going for. Just he hasn't played football in a while. You know, like you said, last time we saw him, he was banged up. So be interesting to see if you if he comes in in a cheap deal, potential, you know, veteran there to at least add some sort of depth or competition for even a starter along that offensive line. But um, Caleb, let's get out of here. Uh, tell everybody what you've been working on and where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at CJ Scoobs. I had an article come out today, and it was uh, titled, I wrote it on Friday, and it didn't come out until today, and it's just what it's how the Chiefs replaced Fisher and Schwartz. I talked about Riley Reef. I talked about Alejandro Villanueva. Didn't talk about Trent Williams because I didn't think that was a possibility until I hopped on Twitter this morning. I must have forgot who Brett Veach was. I went through those guys. I went through Lucas Nyang. I went through Martinez Rankin even. Yeah, guy not too many people might be talking about who I still think has a legitimate shot to not only make the club, but to be an outside player, to be an outside shot to start at this point. And then I talked about, you know, a couple of guys I think the Chiefs could draft, Liam Eikenberg as well as Spencer Brown. Liam Eikenberg being the I can come in and play left tackle immediately out of college. Spencer Brown being the I'm going to sit for a year and I could become the next hot thing in the NFL. So that go ahead and check that out. And I've already started my breakdown of Joe Tooney and it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Love it. Uh, just huge can thank you uh, to, to Brandon Kylie again, BK. You can find him on Twitter at BK sports talk. Make sure you go follow him. Um, 
puts out a lot of great stuff out there on Twitter. But again, huge thanks to, to him for jumping on and having a quick talk with us. Um, you can find me on Twitter at jdiz1617. Um, I, I'm actually in the midst of actually coaching my season with everything with COVID um, up in New York. Football is actually happening now for high schools. So I'm crazy busy with that, doing a bunch of different stuff, you know, this podcast, another podcast, so plus coaching, plus regular work. So crazy busy everywhere. I'm going to I'm gonna get on and, and do what I can, you know, obviously. But um, we appreciate everybody being here. Um, be on the lookout. We're going to be putting out a ton of draft content. We're going to be potentially switching over to also some video content, putting some shows out on YouTube. You're going to get to see Mine and Caleb's beautiful smiling faces. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to that. So, everybody, appreciate y'all being here. We'll talk to you next time.